Is it turned on now? <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> uh, Nancy and I have been attending here for several months. We became members a few months ago. One slight correction to what Tad said, I have not been a pastor of churches. Rather, I've been pulpit supply. Uh, I have been one who's come along and spoken at churches from time to time. My background is uh, I was a seminary professor for many years, and I don't want that to bother you. You've probably heard the story about the seminary professor that dreamt he was lecturing and woke up and found he was. Uh, it's, uh, I hope it's not quite that bad for you. I, uh, I uh, was a professor for 18 years at Denver Seminary, so during that time just uh, involved in terms of teaching the scriptures and that kind of thing. Nancy and I are thrilled to be here. Uh, we took our time trying to find our church move. We have been members at Scottsdale Bible for 20 years. And so we had traveled from Tempe to Scottsdale all those years. And I was on the mission team there, so it uh, was something where I had to work a bit to disconnect some responsibilities at that church. When Chuck uh, asked me to fill in this particular Sunday, uh, it always goes through a person's mind, you know, what should I teach? What, what should I do? You know. Uh, there's lots of uh, possibilities, so I wrestled for quite a while to think through, and today I decided to talk about fishing. And the reason I talk about fishing is that if you're not familiar with the la my last name, Orvis, Orvis, if you hit fishing or fly fishing, you will immediately get Orvis Company. And Orvis Company comes out of Manchester, Vermont. And I'm from Vermont, and so somehow I am a descendant of that family. So as I, when I became a Christian, I was really interested in the fishing side. You know, what was, uh, why is my last name Orvis? And then today, believe it or not, in the providence of God, I have a cousin, uh, Greg Orvis, sitting next to my wife, Nancy, and his wife, Nancy. So we have two Nancy Orvises here today. <laughs> And uh, interesting, uh, I was raised on a, a dairy farm in Vermont, and uh, I was kicked off that farm when Nancy's parents, the other Nancy, her parents bought the farm, kicked us out of town. And so it turned out that I found out later that Nancy and Greg have both become Christians, so we've had some rich fellowship. They've been out here for the last two weeks. We've been having a great time with them. So. Fishing has always been of interest to me. I'm not really a fly fisherman, but I like the name. I like the idea that somehow my name is associated with fishing. I like that. So today, I'd like to uh, invite you to turn to our text of the day, which is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Luke 5, 1 through 11. This passage is interesting. It's early on in Jesus' ministry. And so uh, I'm sure it'll be on the screen. And if you have a Bible, I hope you'll look in your Bible. If you have a tablet, use that, whatever. But Luke chapter 5, the first 11 verses. Let me read those. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, 
he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had got, gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Interesting text. It mentions that this takes place at the Lake Gennesaret. Lake Gennesaret is another name for the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long, about seven miles wide. It's really a, a lake more than a sea, and it's uh, abundant with fish. It is about 700 feet below sea level. It's one of the uh, lowest uh, bodies of water in terms of below sea level. The Dead Sea is about 13, 1400 feet below sea level. So it's a, it's a popular place for fishing in Jesus' days. On the northern shore, Capernaum was kind of a, a group of people that fished from there. There also were people in Tiberias, which is on the western shore. It was a commercial fishermen, and they were around and they worked hard. If you are not familiar with fishermen in those days of Jesus, they were hard workers. They had nets that weighed a lot and they had to throw them out and gather fish and sort them and clean them and, and sell them in some way and eat others. This takes place at the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is standing by the sea and he's teaching and what a joy that'd be to hear Jesus teach the scriptures. And a crowd is pressing upon him more and more and more. And so finally he uh, looks at the boats there. There are a couple of boats and he notices fishermen are washing their nets and he gets into Simon's boat and he pushes it out from shore just a little bit. I take it the crowd was so full that he wanted to put a little bit of space, a little bit of uh, space between the crowd and himself. So the boat went out a short distance and then it's interesting to notice that it says, as that happened, that Jesus sat down. I brought this up because sometimes we forget culturally that in Jesus' day, that rabbis did not stand to speak. When they taught, they sat down. Interesting to note that. I've been watching Chuck. I know that his reasons for sitting down have to do with something different, but 
the idea of sitting down to teach. So he sat in the boat and he taught the word of God to the crowd. How long he did that, we don't know. But then he turns to uh, Simon and he says, hey Simon, let's go fishing. Simon says, hey, wait a minute, time out. I was out there all night long fishing. The, the fish just aren't biting. They're just not interested. They're not out there. And But he says, because you say so, I'll go fishing. So he went fishing, and of course, the story develops from there as we look at it step by step. I want you to notice, if you will, that fishing is not always easy. I remember my dad taught to my brother and me how to fish on that dairy farm in Bristol, Vermont. While milking cows, dad would say, hey, tonight we're going to go bullhead fishing. Bullhead fishing, thanks, Dad. And we're going to go to Bristol Pond. And so he said, you two guys need to go to the garden and dig some worms. So we go dig the worms, and he got some poles, and he got other things out, and he got the family tractor out, put the wagon, and we drove across the pasture in the meadows, and we went to a wooded area. And we couldn't always drive very far in the wooded area. We had to walk, and at night, Mosquitoes, bullfrogs, croaking everywhere, and we learned to do bullhead fishing. My dad propped up against a tree with his pipe, and he had a couple of milk pails, and he taught his two sons how to fish. I remember that well. I remember it because it involved my dad. I remember because he taught me we needed things to go fishing. We needed some lanterns. We needed the worms. We needed the buckets. We needed sprays and stuff that would keep the mosquitoes off in order to go out there fishing. In this passage, it's so obvious to me, but the first thing that he mentions that we need to do is in verse 4. Verse 4, he says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water. Some versions say launch out. Some say get out or go out. It's so obvious, folks, that the first thing for catching fish is you have to go to the fish. It's very obvious that if you're going to catch fish, you have to go to the fish. You have to go there. You have to go out there. That's obvious. But sometimes we are not so uh, thoughtful about that. Notice that Jesus says at the end of this passage, from now on, you will catch people. Jesus takes the principles of fishing and says, this is the way you do witness and evangelism. The way you do witness and evangelism is you have to go to the fish. You need to go out. It's unfortunate today that the church has uh, turned some things around there. The word is come to us. If you're a non-believer, we invite you to come to us. We invite you to come to our church and hear our pastor and our music program, and our youth program, and all the kinds of things. We invite people to come here 
because we want somebody else to do the fishing. That's been an interesting approach. Back in the 40s and 50s, God raised up several parachurch organizations because the church wasn't doing a good job of evangelism. Raised up some for youth ministry, like Young Life and Youth for Christ. Raised up some for college, like Campus Crusade and InterVarsity and Navigators. It's interesting to note that those groups raised up to do fishing. They were fishing in various fishing holes out there among the youth, among the college, and yes, they branched into adults eventually. But something happened, I think, in the 70s. It became the idea that we started inviting people to come to us, come to our church, come for our special program. Now, nothing wrong with inviting people to church, but if that's the primary, primary way of catching fish, you're not gonna get many fish. You're not gonna get many that way. You're not gonna see many conversions that way. So the first premise for fishing, the first premise for witnessing and sharing your faith is that we need to get out to where they are. We need to be out where they live. So important. Yet today, the church has changed go to come. Come to us. Come to us. It's also interesting to notice a little book that I'll recommend to you. Gary Gilley wrote a book in 2002 called This Little Church Went to Market. <laughs> and it was uh, about 140 pages long, but he began to note, and he wrote in 2002, how much the church was inviting the non-saved, those not saved, into the church. And he was noticing that what it turned, used to be going out to the people, now it turned around, bring the unsaved inside. And he pointed out that what happens is subtle things happen. First of all, the whole marketing strategy is find ways to get people to come inside the building, especially the unsaved. And then once they get inside, you've got to kind of adjust things a little bit. The music has to be changed a little bit when you have unsaved inside. So he points out that what was worship music got turned to entertainment in the church. And then he pointed out, he said, then what happened is, is the uh, message had to change. You had to make it much shorter and much more secular and much more relational to that audience. So you began to have little series of messages that kind of touched on things that the non-believers were interested in. And so the believers that were hungry for the word of God, what happened to them? I just read this week that more than 10 million born-again Christians have left evangelical churches because the message is so weak. There's nothing in the Word. What a blessing we have here at this church. One of the drawing points that 
Nancy and I had is Chuck's ministry in the word. Don't, don't take that for granted, folks. Out in the churches, it's not that way. So oftentimes, it's just watered down stuff. Not much biblical. So we change the message from go, go and launch out, put out to the where these fish are. We changed it around, flipped it. Hey fish, come join us and we'll make the, the pool nice for you so you can enjoy it. And we'll do all kinds of things. Please try to understand me. I tend to exaggerate to make a point, so I hope you understand that. So the point is, launch out, get out there, and fish. Notice further in that verse four, it says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. <laughs> you know, it's not just getting out there, but it's letting the net down. It's letting the nets down. You know, you're out there in the boat, and you go, hey, I'm out here, fish. Hey, I'm out here. Hop in the boat. Now, Jesus could have done that. He could have gone out there and really done a miracle by saying, hey, fish, fill up the boats. That would have been something. But he said, let down the nets. At some point, you have to turn the conversation spiritual. That's what we're to do. That, all of us are missionaries in mission. When we go out, how do you turn conversations? How do you turn them around? Find ways of dropping the nets. Such things as when you meet somebody and uh, people who hang out with me know I do this regularly, I ask questions. I ask, hey, you have any spiritual background? Who's Jesus according to you? I never get in arguments over that. I just ask the questions and go, uh-huh. Yeah. No matter what they say, ask questions. You have any spiritual background? Oh. Mm -hmm. Who's Jesus according to you? If you were to die, would you go to heaven or hell? And then my last question is always in dropping the net is, if what you were believing was not true, would you want to know? If they say no, they're not ready for picking. No need pushing yourself out there and fooling around. But it's really interesting. If you do this, you begin to find out there are a lot of people that are ripe and they want a conversation, they want to know. So you have to drop the net. You have to change the conversation from whatever it is to something else. The Lord Jesus and your Christian faith. Drop the nets. I'll tell you a little story. Uh, our son, by the way, I drive our son's Jeep out here in the parking lot. If you see this yellow Jeep, old Jeep, that's not, doesn't belong to Nancy and me, it belongs to our son. And uh, he has given it to us to use. He lives in Iowa. The license plates have maple syrup on it, so if you find that, and somehow he remembers that when I was a chaplain uh, for the uh, Broncos, he went to a chapel with me in Denver, and it turned out that uh, he remembered me using an illustration. I don't even remember it myself. He said, I remember, Dad, you talked about it takes 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of syrup. 
and you were asking the Lord to boil the sap out of you. I don't remember using that, but he remembered it, and so he put maple syrup on the license plates, and that is how you'll notice, and you'll know that it was about me. It's some illustration I used at some point. Anyway, our son loves Colorado. He was raised in Colorado. So even though he lives in Iowa, he wants to go to Colorado every year. So the last three years, he's invited Nancy and me to spend two weeks. He rents at the Elk River Lodge, which is a, a farmhouse by itself. He rents the whole thing, invites people to come and stay. And I remember the first time that we went to that uh, Elk River Lodge, we were to meet the lady who owned it. And she was going to explain the details of how to do things in her Elk River Lodge. Her name's Carol. She was from Hollywood, California. So we didn't know anything about her. Nate just found it. He made the connections and the cetera. So we're there. She's going to show us around. So she's showing us around the house in the kitchen. This is this. And over here, you do this, et cetera. And then she takes us to the second floor of this old farmhouse, this beautiful bedroom which belonged to her and her husband. And she, uh, she's talking about it. And she said, oh. This is such a beautiful bedroom. It, my husband and I, we just love this bed. We love it up here. So she said, I keep thinking that someday I'm going to lie down on this bed and fall asleep and wake up in heaven. Well, to an evangelist, there's an opening. Okay? That is something to pick up on. So I simply said, uh, Carol, what makes you think you go to heaven? Well, a little bit of porky pig Christianity came for a while. That's all, folks. Uh, but she eventually said that she believed it was because of her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, tell me about it. Because anyone tells me about, you know, hey, I got a faith. I always say, tell me about it. Don't just say, oh, they say they have a faith. That must be true. I, when they say they have a faith, I say, tell me about it. So I said, hey, Carol, tell me about it. So she started telling about her faith and how she'd come to know the Lord. And it was a thrilling time to be able to just turn the conversation. Let the net down. People will say things. Let the net down. Let the nets. And it's not necessarily you have to do this all by yourself. Sometimes there are two people can work together, three people. Very close friend of mine here that works campus ministry, and some of you know him, is uh, Ben Joseph. I've always appreciated Ben. Ben was a student that I had many years ago when I was young, and he was a bit younger. And it turned out that uh, I got a phone call from a fellow named Vijay. And Vijay was from India, Hindu background. <coughs> And he uh, wanted to get together with me. I said, oh, great. So I suggested one of my fishing holes. Uh, I love to fish at these, uh, these coffee shops. You know, they're great places to do fishing. If you see me in there, I'm probably looking around and fishing. So it turns out that VJ was going to meet me at a certain time. So I said, hey, Ben, can you meet with me? So Ben said, yeah, I can work my schedule. We can meet together. So the two of us met together. And we lowered the net together. 
with VJ. And VJ prayed to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So praise God that you can have those kinds of times when you just simply let down the nets, let down the nets, let down the nets. But it's interesting to note in this passage, I want you to see this, it says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for catch. Now Simon is a typical American. Notice what he says. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the net. This is subtle, folks. Listen to it carefully. Don't let your experience be your authority. Let the word of God be your authority. He's saying, my experience is they're not biting. And you may have that experience. I tried sharing once, it didn't work. I tried doing that, it didn't work. Folks, we need to keep fishing. Keep fishing. Keep letting the nets down. Because he obeyed the word. But at your word, I will let down the nets. I'm amazed today just how much we make experience our authority. Oh, I tried the four spiritual laws, they don't work. I tried the bridge. I tried the Roman road. I tried, I tried, I tried. Folks, at his word, do it. At his word, do it. And even though Peter's experience was bad, we tried fishing all night. Don't you realize, you're not a fisherman, I am, that they're just not biting out there. But then he goes on, he says, we toiled all night and took nothing but at your word I will go. I will let down the nets. I don't think that that's any clearer than it could be as we do it because he tells us to do it. At his word, we do it. We let down the nets. Notice what happens in verse 6. And when they had done this, by the way, for you English buffs, that's an introductory adverbial clause. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. You cannot catch fish without dropping the net, getting out to them and dropping the net. But you can't manipulate the fish into the net. You can't do it. The first two things, get out there and let the nets down, we can do. But we can't make the fish get in the net. We can't get the results, even though there were results in this case. I like the uh, definition that several years ago, Campus Crusade came up with for witnessing. It was just a, it really was a thoughtful definition. It says, taking the initiative, okay, taking the initiative, taking the initiative, Getting out there, letting down, taking the initiative, taking the initiative to share the good news in the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving the results to God. We're not into results, 
But we are into getting out there and letting the nets down and allowing the results to take place according to his sovereign will. We must always remember that. Get out there, let down the nets, and trust our Lord for the results. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Wow, that's great. But notice the fourth thing that happened here. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come. Ever seen fishermen catch fish? Wow, do they act weird. They really do, we all act weird. Catch, when you're catching fish, you act weird. You really do. You're so excited, you're trying to get this fish, you're trying to do it, and you're doing all this kind of stuff. And you can really, really get excited. In this case, results were so big that they signaled to the others, hey, come, come on and help, hey. Come on, come and help. Come on, come on, come on. Fish are biting, come on, let's go. Now for those of us that have been around the Sea of Galilee, uh, there is a, an interesting sound that takes place at the Sea of Galilee. When you're on the shore and boats are out there and they're fishing, you can hear what they're saying. It's amazing, the acoustics. In fact, uh, biblical scholars think that the, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount took place at a certain location along the Sea of Galilee. And people have gone and sat in those locations. Now you can't get there, they've kind of fenced it off. But in the early days when I used to go there, you could go there and sit and, and listen to people in the boats. You could hear them just as plain as anything because of the acoustics. Down below sea level, it was just amazing. They signal. I don't know how they signal. Did they yell? Probably not. Maybe. Maybe they motioned. Maybe they whistled. I don't know. They signaled. However their signaling was. Get out of here. I'm just saying to you folks, we have a responsibility as the Church of Jesus Christ to go fishing. And you know, we have no trouble getting out there because our jobs take us there. Our neighborhoods take us there. Wherever we are, we're out there with unsaved people. Our problem is we don't let the nets down. We don't turn conversations to spiritual ones. So they signaled and they came, and they filled both of the boats. Peter notices this, and uh, he says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Mentioned uh, in verse eight, depart from me. And you notice the word catch and caught is used five times in the text, it's all through it. And then Jesus really puts the application to it. When he says this in verse 10, the end of verse 10, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. You know the number one reason people don't share their faith? 
They're afraid. They're afraid that they're responsible to catch the fish. I mean, they're responsible to get the fish. No. We're responsible to be out there fishing. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to bring about believers. So a fear, fear, I won't know enough. You know something? Most Christians know too much. And they get into arguments. That's why those questions I ask people, I never, never get into arguments. You have any kind of faith? Any kind of spiritual background? Who's Jesus according to you? You believe in heaven and hell? But then I go on to the last question after I've done a few of those and say, if what you're believing was not true, would you want to know? Would you want to know? No, not really. Great, great, thanks. If there's a, maybe they come back later, they say no, and then later they come back and say, why didn't you say more? You said you weren't interested. I do not try to pressure people into knowing the Lord. I've never done that to my knowledge. I've had great opportunities to share my faith in some arenas that are really, really neat. And one of them was I had a chance to, to be a chaplain to the Denver Broncos for 10 years. That was a fun thing for me to do. I was a police chaplain for three years, the Aurora Police Department. While I was teaching the seminary practical stuff, I got out the Aurora Police Department, had to wear a clerical collar and a bulletproof vest, uh, which was important because the chief said less likelihood of being shot if you have a clerical collar. Nancy insisted that I wear a clerical collar during those times. Three years police chaplain. Seven years I was the chaplain for the Denver Zephyrs baseball team, which preceded the Rockies. Had a chance to see baseball players come to know Christ and football players and that kind of thing. It's just really fun. Great arena to do that. But when you're out there, you gotta let the nets down. You have to let the nets down and trust God for the results. Thank you for allowing me to share this. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so very much that you want us to fish. Thank you that we can go fishing even today. So oftentimes, Lord, we've admit to you that we've kind of turned it around 180 and we haven't really shared our faith. We go out there and we come back week after week and we haven't even attempted to lower the nets. Lord, help us not to feel guilty that we are the ones to bring about decisions and converts, but rather, Lord, we are your people to do fishing in the right ways. Thank you for this passage of scripture. Thank you that uh, these fishermen were had an encounter with Jesus and he said, from now on, we're gonna catch people. So Lord, the same principles that are used to catch fish help to remind us is in our witness and our sharing of our faith. And Lord, help us to take the initiative 
to share the good news in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to you. Lord, help us not to get into counting scalps and counting people and doing all those worldly things that are not important. In fact, they're sinful. Lord, we praise you, we love you today for your grace, your kindness, your thoughtfulness toward us. We pray together in Jesus' name, amen.